Are you ready to take your team to the next level, but you keep beating your head against the wall because why can't they figure out how to do anything? Why don't they know what is needed? Well, you know what? After spending 15 years in corporate America, I can tell you that I have done the exact same thing. And in that time, I learned the hard way how to create action and ownership on my team. But instead of having you figure this out by beating your head against the wall and spending seven years, I created the Leadership Playbook, teaching you how to go from doer to leader, inspiring your team, motivating them, and teaching the skills that separate the apathetic from the productive. If you're ready to join, check the show notes and click on Learn with Emily. Welcome to the Leadership Playbook. My name is Emily Hawkins. How I used to introduce myself is, I have 15 years in supply chain, creating and leading teams, streamlining processes, managing millions of dollars. Except that's not what I do anymore. I'm a career and life coach. And I wanna take you on the journey of how to lead yourself, how to take your career to the next level, whatever that may be. I'm gonna give you tangible advice on exactly how to do what you want to do, lead, and love your life. This week, I wanna talk all about trust. And I don't just mean trust of others, that's important. Building trust in others is important. Trusting other people is important. Trusting your gut is important. I cover all of those basic topics on my YouTube video this week and also on my blog posts. So check those out. But what I want to talk about today is trusting yourself, because trusting yourself is really where it all starts. And I recently heard a podcast, it was an Ed Milet podcast, and I will link it in the show notes. And it was Chris Powell, I don't know if you know who that is, he's the guy who did extreme weight loss, where he would follow people for a year and make sure that they were losing weight. And these people lost hundreds of pounds, right? But what he said, he talked to them about off camera was, you have an integrity problem. And I was fascinated by this because that is a really strong word to use with somebody. And they said, no, people can always count on me. I'm the one that shows up for everything. I'm usually on time, if not earlier. And he said, yeah, but you're not showing up for yourself. You're constantly letting yourself down. And what I found fascinating by this was, Rachel Hollis also talks about that in Girl, Wash Your Face, which if you haven't heard of that book, I'll also link it in the show notes. But she talks about the same thing. She says, we always talk about, uh, you know, showing up for our friends, doing thing for, things for our friends. But when it comes to ourselves, we're like, nah, it's Wednesday. It's raining. I don't want to work out. Or... I'm tired today. I don't want to do that extra work project. I don't want to take it the extra mile. And then by the end of the year, or not even the end of the year, sometimes by the end of the week, we aren't reaching those goals anymore. So there are three goals that I hear constantly in my world as a career and life coach. The first one stented from what I started my business in, which was fitness. So some people know that and some people don't. I lost 60 pounds and that happened by me deciding every single day to get up and move. That's where it stented from. 
Once I started losing the weight, I decided to change other things in my life, my eating, you know, a lot of different things so that I took off 60 pounds. It took me nine months, but I was able to do it. Another goal that people say is, I want to get a promotion. I want to get promoted. Well, I personally have been promoted many times in my career, and it did not happen overnight either. That was something that I set sights on. Actually, when I was 22, I had a goal by the time I was 30 of making $100,000. That was my goal. That was a plan I had. $100,000 seemed so crazy, and I thought, yes, let's make that happen. So I actually built a plan around it, and by the time I turned 29, actually it was right at my 30th birthday that I was making $100,000. And then the next one is landing a new job. So I hear this a lot too. Now you're probably thinking landing a job, like that doesn't take any time. I can't believe you're putting it in the same category as losing weight and getting a promotion. Y'all, it is equally as hard. It takes as much time, as much energy to find a new job. And the thing that these three have in common is their marathon goals. All three of them are marathon goals. And the thing that you fight with that I fought with, because I've done all these things as well, is comfort. Comfort can kill all of these marathon goals. So with losing weight, well, I'm tired today. I don't really want to do the thing. So you fall into that comfort. One day becomes two, two becomes three. You have no integrity for yourself. Landing a promotion I'm going gangbusters on Monday, and then Wednesday, somebody has a happy hour, and you drink too much, so you show up late on Thursday, and then you coast through the week, and then you're like, well, I lost all my momentum, nobody's watching me anyway, it, we're going into a holiday week, like, it's fine, integrity's gone again, right, so you stop showing up, and then landing a new job. Ooh, this one, mm, the comfort zone hits people the hardest here. I call it the golden handcuffs here. So what happens here is that people say, oh, I hate my boss. I want to find something different. So they start putting their resume together and then they're like, oh my gosh, I do not want to do this. This is awful. I'll do this later. Later becomes never. A year passes. They still hate their boss. But then they also fall into a, oh, but it's almost bonus time. So I should stay for a little bit just to get the bonus. And then the bonus rolls around and you're like, I got to write the resume. See how that keeps coming up? I got to write the resume and I don't really want to do it. So you stay another year. And then seven years go by and you're like, what happened to my life? You stopped showing up for yourself. You have no integrity for you, which is very sad. So today what I want to talk about is how do you get past this? And I call it know yourself before you grow yourself. I love anytime something rhymes, it just makes my life happy. So I came up with know yourself before you grow yourself. And the reason I say this is I think that you have an integrity problem because you don't know fundamentally what motivates you. So I wanted to talk about an amazing book by Gretchen Wilson, not Gretchen Wilson. I can't believe I just said that. She's a country singer. Gretchen Rubin. That's hilarious. 
by Gretchen Rubin called the four tendencies. So in the four tendencies, Gretchen Rubin, I almost did it again, uh, calls these things the four tendencies. These are the four types of people in this world. Now, before I go further, I want you to know that I'm linking this book up in my show notes, but I'm also linking a quiz so that you can figure out which tendency is you. Now, by me sharing them with you, you may even know already, which is awesome. So I'm going to start with one of the most common, and that is the obliger. The obliger is the person that does everything for everyone else. They're very concerned about others. In fact, all of their motivation comes from with outside of themselves, not internal, but outside. So in her book, she mentions a girl that used to run all the time in high school. And she said, every day I was on the track team, I was in the best shape of my life. I loved running and then now I'm at home and I just can't get motivated because she is an obliger, which means she needs a group of people supporting her. So she needs people to show up with her and keep her accountable. So when you're looking at your goals and you're saying, why haven't I lost that weight? Maybe join an accountability group, join a fitness class where you actually get to know people in it and you text each other before the class, something like that. When it comes to a promotion, I want you to talk to your boss. I want you to talk to coworkers. And I want you to have a support system in place for these are my goals. Because when you do that, you breathe into new existence and you have an accountability partner as an obliger, you're going to succeed. So you're removing some of your limitations. So the next one is the upholder. Friends, I am a reformed upholder. (laughs) And I say that because I think I've moved into a questioner, which we'll get into in a second. Upholder is somebody who is only internally motivated. So I decide I'm going to do a thing and then I go and do it. And why is this a bad thing? It's bad because sometimes you don't think about others it can be considered selfish, so much so that when you're on vacation, you want to eat a certain way and you drag your family that way without really thinking about others. You know, oh, well, I'm on this diet where I have to eat this way. So we have to go to this restaurant, even knowing your kids don't want to eat there, you know, all these things. So what I would say about an upholder is you set a goal, it's probably happening. But what you need to watch out for is not making enemies in the process. How do I know this? When I started my business, my husband hated me because I am 90 to nothing. So I was constantly on my phone. I was away from our family. And what I really mean by that is mentally because my head was down in my phone and not present with the people around me because I had goals but I forgot to involve others in my planning. So when you're an obliger, you need the people for accountability. When you're an upholder, you need people just so you communicate your goals and they know what you're doing so that it doesn't seem so self-centered. It's very important. 
learn from my terrible lesson. Had many, many conversations with my husband about how selfish I was. And now he's like, okay, I heard about your business. I'm done. (laughs) But I, I feel like we are a partner in this because it is our business because it is our life. So that's very important. It's also very important to, if you're an upholder in terms of keeping your house clean, involve your kids. Again, I didn't do this very well. And my children just thought I would pick up after them or they thought I they were super messy and I didn't love them. There are really awful things that can happen there. So when you involve them and talk about why you need certain things a certain way, then the upholder becomes a really powerful tool. So the next one is questioner. Now, I told you before I'm a, a reformed upholder. As an entrepreneur, I have learned to become an, a questioner. Now, in Gretchen's book, she says you are always one mainly. So maybe I'm still an upholder with more questioner tendencies. I am married to a questioner, which is such a beautiful partnership. He has taught me so much. But also being a part of the entrepreneur community, many of my friends are entrepreneurs. I'm a part of a mastermind where everyone is an entrepreneur. And those people make me question everything. So a questioner is somebody, again, intrinsically motivated. So they're motivated from within. But the difference is they question all authority. (laughs) They question everything. I, as an upholder, don't question things. I just go. I just march to the end of the road. But as a questioner, before someone starts something or buys into something, they have a lot of questions. And as I've gotten older, I have become more of a skeptic. And that's really what a questioner is. But what's great is once they've done the research, they've asked the questions, they're either all in or all out. So that doesn't fit my morals, ethics, values, purpose, any of that, out. I like this. This is exactly what I want to do all in. As an entrepreneur, what I love is that I have had the opportunity to question everything. I came from a nine to five world. I don't work nine to five anymore because I questioned it. And when I first left corporate America, I had a really hard time with that because I I'm an upholder. So when I realized that I could do my job, everything that I wanted to do and actually make more money working 10 hours less a week, I work about 30 hours a week. That was really weird for me. I thought that that was not comfortable and normal. But now I'm questioning everything. Maybe I don't need to work 30 hours a week. Maybe this can be whatever I need it to be. And but because I'm very regimented, which is definitely an upholder tendency, I have a schedule of exactly what needs to happen on what day of the week. But I question it regularly, because maybe it doesn't need to happen the way I think it does. And I'm telling you, friends, as soon as I started questioning my upholder tendencies, everything in my business changed. So I want you to think about these They all have upsides and downsides. You know the devil's advocate that you've worked with or whatever else that questions you to death, that drives you crazy, is a constant skeptic. Yeah, that can be a bad thing, right? Well, what I'm saying is, why not be a little bit of that so that you don't take things at at face value 
but move forward and work with others, which is more of an obliger tendency. Now, the final one, oh my goodness, I, (laughs) as somebody who's an upholder questioner, have a hard time with this one. The rebel. The rebel is somebody who has no schedule, no rules. They fly by the seat of their pants. And if they see that there are any rules or any tendencies coming into their life, they must switch them up. Yeah. As an upholder, I cannot handle this. I know some rebels. I love them for their rebel tendencies. I have a hard time hanging out with these people. I'm not going to lie. I need a schedule, a process, a way of doing things, a way of showing up, accountability, following through. Rebels have a really hard time with this because they feel like follow through is a sign of weakness. And rebels, it's not. I promise you, it's not. But I just cannot. That's not my jam. So if you're a rebel, what I would recommend is questioning why you are so concerned about a schedule, why it bothers you so much to have certain things in your life. What is that about? What does that stint from? And does it really mean that you are ineffective or anything like that? Interesting fact, rebels are usually in government jobs or large organizations. You know why? Because they actually need the structure And they need the high stakes of if I don't show up, then I'm going to get fired, which kind of makes sense, right? Because on their own, they're like, no, rebels that are business owners. mm, I'm not saying it's not possible, but it's very hard to become successful. So that's something to think about if you find yourself as a rebel. Now, like I said, I'm going to put a link to this quiz in the show notes so that you're going to be able to take this quiz and a link to the book if you want to read it or listen to the audio, which is exactly what I did because Gretchen reads it herself and it's amazing and she's amazing. She also has a podcast and I'm going to link that in here because I feel like the more you know, the more you grow over and over and over again. So check her out most definitely. Now, once you have narrowed down your tendency, and as you could hear, I have a strong tendency of an upholder, and I really want to be a questioner, so I've got questioner tendencies. What I want you to do once you've done that is ask yourself three questions. The first one is, now that I know how I am, how will I show up differently? And what I mean is, maybe you thought you were just trying to be this upholder. So you work with somebody that's internally motivated, but you are actually an obliger. So an obliger, again, needs that external motivation. Now that you know that, how are you going to show up differently? Don't think that somehow magically you're going to become an upholder. It doesn't work like that. Get accountability. You need the accountability. If you're a questioner, then maybe you need to ask more questions in order to buy in. How could I do this more successfully? Ask experts, do more research. That's what questioners do. So how are you going to show up differently? The second question I want you to ask is, how can you break your goal down? I don't care what you are. I don't care which of these four tendencies you are. You are going to need a carrot every once in a while. 
we as a society really need feedback. And if you're tackling one of these marathon goals of losing weight, getting a promotion, landing a new job, you've got to create milestones. Because otherwise, it's too long of a road without any sort of reward. So what is your motivation going to be? You know, once you lose three pounds, what are you going to do? You're going to go shopping, you're going to get some new, you know, pants, maybe. Um, If you obviously haven't landed the promotion yet, but you did a really awesome job on a project. And so when this project is over, which happens to be a two month project, you're going to go get, you know, some dinner with friends, you're going to celebrate with your spouse. Who knows? There's no wrong way. But I want you to reward yourself along the way. Which leads me to the final one. It's not a question, actually. This one is more of a a mindset shift that I want you to put yourself in in these marathon goals. I'm going to enjoy the process. I fell into a really bad category in my 20s, where I thought, once I reach the goal, everything's going to be awesome. And my mother actually said to me when I was in the process of losing weight, she said, I think this is wonderful that you're doing this. But you need to know that no matter what size you are, it's still you. You are still there. And that was so interesting to me. I did not know what she meant until I lost all the weight. And I'm still the same person. I'm not Claudia Schiffer. I'm not, you know, Cheryl Teagues or any of these people. I'm still just Emily Hawkins. And sometimes that's hard to sit with when you've been striving for a certain goal, especially when it's weight-based. Now, when you look at the promotion and the new job, you might be saying, When I make it to the next level, whether it be financially or promotion-wise, everything's going to be different. Okay, no, it's not. New levels, new devils. It's one of my favorite things that Rachel Hollis says, and I firmly believe it. The higher up you go, you may be making more money, but you also have to take on more responsibility. Typically, you're working more hours, and there's something new to tackle. And that is something that I want you to be aware of because you're not just going to reach a goal and then sit there. It doesn't work that way. So remember that. Remember to enjoy the process. I'm going to link all of this up in the show notes because I gave you a ton of resources. I mentioned several people today. I'm going to put podcasts in here and everything else. I'm so glad you showed up today. You have integrity. Did you love what you heard today? And you want more? Sign up for my weekly email in the show notes. It's packed with tips and tricks to lead and love your life. You can also follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram by typing in Emily Hawkins, the number four, the letter U. I'll see you here next week.